We got to, we got to, we're going to fire him. But then he would have to fire me too because there's a couple times I wasn't here. So, uh, Brother Barry, you want to pray for us real quick? Lord, um, we just come before you tonight, Pastor Down at Carlson. Father, I love it tomorrow and thank you for the Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's go to Romans chapter 4. Uh, I was here last week. We just started chapter 4. And uh, Paul is talking about uh, some things that we as Christians, I mean, we got to get down. Uh, brethren, we're, you're going to be a failure. Okay, so if somebody says you're a failure, uh, you shouldn't fold. You shouldn't crumple down. You shouldn't say, oh, I'm just no good. I'm this, that, and the other. And, and believe me, you wouldn't believe how many Christians across this planet do just that. Because there's some things they never got down in their life. We're not all the same. We never will be the same. And if you're comparing yourself amongst men or ladies and amongst ladies, anymore it's men and, men and uh, ladies are comparing themselves against lady, men, and men are comparing themselves against ladies. And men are becoming ladies, and ladies are becoming men. It's all messed up. So, so anymore, when you look at it, you've got to stop and say, who am I with Jesus Christ? Who am I? Who am I? Uh, it isn't the, the, the one sitting next to me, the one sitting around me, or the one sitting in front of me or behind me. It's me. It's me, oh Lord. It's me. And what, what uh, he's talking here, there's just some things you need to understand. And most people, you know, brother, we are, I'm a lucky person. I don't know about you, but uh, I, got, I was very fortunate that I got to go to class or go to school under Peter S. Rockman, Dr. Peter S. Rockman, uh, the first time up. I mean, uh, I sit and got saved. A lot of people do not understand. They, they just, they've never been exposed to it. Uh, there's no way that you could build a nuclear reactor if you've never been exposed to some, some basic things like chemistry, math, you know, uh, physics, uh, uh, the higher levels of math. But you've got to get, go to kindergarten, and you build yourself up to there. Most people are still in kindergarten. Getting saved is kindergarten. All right, now it gets you into eternal life. But that's kindergarten when it comes to what God has done. And most of us have never got to the place where we got out of kindergarten. We, we, we strive in kindergarten. We're afraid to go to the first grade, second grade, third grade, because we're afraid of failure. Uh, but uh, here, I'll, I'll make it easy for you. You're going to fail. So since you're going to fail, suck it up, buttercup, and just move on. Uh, and learn. you learn by your failures, and you can learn by other people's failures. Now... What, I, what I'm going to talk about a few things here tonight is I'm going to talk about Abraham and you. All right. So, anyways, if y'all didn't notice, this is Calvary. All right. All right, that's Calvary. Uh, there is a difference from the Old Testament versus the New Testament. There's a difference between the New Testament from the, uh, this is actually 2000, right? Let's say 2023. And, and shortly, we're going up. We're going to hit the sky. We're going to be out of here. There is a difference between here and here, and there's a difference between here and here, and what happens between here and here is not the same that happened here. 
And what happens here and here is not the same that's going to happen here or here or here, anywhere. Everything is different as you go down through there. And if you don't understand where you're sitting in time, you'll read verses in the Old Testament or in the, out here somewhere, and you'll try to apply them to yourself and they don't fit, and then you think you screwed up and you're a failure. And it's all over because you just messed up. And you didn't mess up. You misapplied something. All right, so what he's trying to do here, verse 1. We're going back to verse 1 real quick. What shall we say then? Romans 4.1. We only got to like verse 2, I think, maybe 3. Where did we get to last time? 3, okay. Uh, what should we say then? Uh, that Abraham, our father, as pertaining to the flesh, had found. For if Abraham were justified by works, he had whereof to glory, but not before God. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Verse 4. Uh, let me see if I can find verse 4. I know we went through all this stuff. Verse 4. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, uh, or but, but to him that worketh not, but, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Now Abraham, uh, what we're going to find out here is Abraham had imputed righteousness. God imputed to him righteousness. Uh, all through there, we, we read about that where he... Uh, God gave him, Abraham took Isaac upon the side of the mountain, and he went to kill Isaac. I forgot to ask, does anybody got any questions? It's kind of late to ask that. Okay, too late. Okay, so he takes Abraham up on the side of the mountain and got ready to kill him, and because of that, God imputes righteousness to Abraham. He gives it to him. Okay, now, here's the problem. I'll move it over in a few seconds. And this is not Gulf Oil <laughs> or the Gulf of Mexico. If I spelled that wrong, excuse me. Uh, okay, so in the Old Testament... When somebody died, and here's the problem. This is what Paul's trying to get you to see. There is a difference. There's a lot of churches out there today teach that the, they got saved in the Old Testament the same way they get saved in the New Testament. That's, a, that's full of baloney. That's a lie. That's a lie. They did not get saved the same way. They, there is grace. Grace is the same in both sides. You got grace over here, and you got grace over here. But grace over here did not get you in the same place that grace over here did. When Abraham died, he did not go to heaven. Abraham died when he died. It, uh, let's say he was right here. And he died. He went right here. Uh, as you go down, as we start looking at people, brethren, guess what? When you die, when Christ, well, he ascended. I just talked about ascension on Sunday night. When Christ ascended right here, he ascended into heaven. And that's where he's sitting right now. And, and I draw stick people, so y'all forgive me. There's my stick chair. Uh, when Christ ascended, anybody between here and here that dies, it says absent from the body, present with the Lord, and, and you go to heaven right off the bat. As you can tell, you go to two different places. Yet, yet there's churches out there that teach that the Old Testament saints got saved the same. No, they did not. If they did, they would have went right to heaven. And what that shows you is the value of what happened at Calvary and him coming back up out of the grave. It changed something. 
And that's what we're going to look at. To sum it all up, the Old Testament faith was personal belief between a man and God on a specific thing that God told him. Abraham, leave Ur the Chaldees. He did. He listened. That's called faith. Faith is the same thing we have today. Lord will tell you what to do, and you do it, and that's faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. Uh, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So the more you read your Bible, I was talking to Brother uh, uh, Perry Demopoulos, and he graduated two years before I did, so he's, he's like my mentor. He's like, he's my, like my, my, my uh, hero. Uh, and he's a hero for several reasons. He went to the Ukraine with no support. He's like Hudson Taylor. Uh, to me, he's like George Mueller. Uh, he's like all them people, you know, anybody you want to name back there, he's like them. Because he jumps on a ship and goes, uh, well, he actually jumped on a plane and flew. He had enough money in his own pocket to get him to the Ukraine. When he got there, a bunch of other people took him on for a year, and he, he, uh, they gave him enough money to keep him there, but he never asked for it. Uh, he got over there. He stayed uh, because he stayed for the people, and there's a difference in that. So I look at him as a mentor, but uh, when I got down there, I watched him, and, and me and him were sitting here talking, and so many churches have messed all this up that when people start looking at the Word of God, they get all confused throughout the whole thing. It's really a very simple thing. All you got to do is know where you're at. Brethren, you're right in here somewhere. Actually, you're right out here on this edge. That's where we're at. I'm going to put a little red mark here, and this is us, 2023. This is us. You're, you're right within that red marker somewhere, and guess what? All you got to do is do what God says right there. It's called faith. God tells you what he, uh, he went to, Perry went to Ukraine by faith. He knew that the door opened up. He said the Lord was calling him to go. He knew that he should go. He went. Uh, these other guys go out there. I don't have nothing wrong with deputation. Deputation's okay. Uh, I think it hurts more on deputation sometimes than going actually to the field. But, but he had faith in God, and God worked that thing out. And Perry left, and he got uh, the support he needed to, to go exactly where he was going. And the Lord provided Brother, so many times we don't trust God no more. Uh, we say we do, but we really don't. Uh, we get a cold, we go right to the doctor. Did you pray about it? Lord, what should I do? And if he tells you to go to the doctor, go to the doctor. If you got peace about it. But did you ask the Lord first? Uh, if you, when you get up in the morning, do you get in your car and say, Lord, keep this thing going, man, down the road. I used to pray all the time. I said, Lord, you know, I'm, I'm always worried. I was not really worried about having a flat tire in the front of a truck or car. I said, I wonder what will happen. I said, it could be bad. I said, man, that, you hear all these stories and tumbling and all this other stuff. I'm doing 75 miles an hour down the road the other day and have a flat tire on the front. And all it was was, blah, 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 blah. I said, that was about as boring as you could get. <laughs> and you know what? I had been praying about that for a long time. I asked the Lord. I said, Lord, man, just watch over me. Protect me. I don't want And when it happened, I was ready for it. You say, what would I think that God had a couple angels out there holding the front up until it slowed down enough to where it could stop? Uh, you say, oh, I don't believe that. Well, wait till we get to heaven asking for a rerun on that thing. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Abraham had faith in somebody he met. Somewhere in Ur of the Chaldees, Abraham met the Lord. Somewhere the Lord started talking to him, whether by dreams or visions or whatever he talked to him by, and he got him to a place where he said, Abraham, I want you to leave Ur of the Chaldees, and I want you to go to the land of Canaan. He did not tell him to take his father-in-law and brothers and Lot and all their herds. He said, Abraham, you get up and go. Uh, he had his wife, him and his wife should have went up and get left, but he didn't. Abraham still did it. So that started Abraham's walk with faith. Your faith is the same as Abraham's is, exactly the same. He's a Gentile, by the way. They didn't become Jews till they got to Jerusalem. David, when they became Jews, is in Jerusalem. They're Hebrews. 
So Abraham, Abraham starts down the road, and he does what God tells him to do. And that's what Paul is sitting here trying to get us to see. He says, to sum it up, Old Testament faith, it was a personal belief between a man and God on a specific thing God told him. So in the te Old Testament, the way they got faith is God told them what to do, they did it. That's faith. In the New Testament, the Lord tells you to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved. He gives you enough faith for that, and that's what you're supposed to do first. You can have all the faith in the whole wide world and never trust Jesus Christ, go right to hell. It wouldn't have done you a bit of good. If your faith does not lead you to Jesus Christ, it's the wrong faith. People say, I got faith. Really? Okay, then why are you mad at me? Have you ever had somebody mad at you? And you're just sitting there trying to talk to about Jesus Christ and they get mad at you? I'm like, why are you mad at me? I'm not mad at you. I said, well, I'm talking about Jesus Christ and you're mad at me. Well, because they get offended because they don't have the same Jesus inside them that you have in you. They may have the same Jesus, but they could still be in kindergarten and never left kindergarten. And they, they're mad because you're trying to tell them something and they're like, no, I'm only by pride. Here you go. Here's the greatest verse you'll remember. Only by pride come with contention. Only by pride. There is no other way. There is no other way. And what you need to do when you're witnessing to somebody, I'll give you a hint. You need to get out of the way real quick. And when you're witnessing, you need to get them to where the conversation is between them and God and not you and them and God. And once you get out of the way, then you can say, you're not mad at me, you're mad at God. And, and let me ask you a question. Only by pride come with contention. Does God have a pride problem? No. God's perfect. How could he have a pride problem? Then who does that leave? You. <laughs> so you got the problem. And you know what? I've shut him down every single time. Brethren, what we're looking at here is dis a thing called dispensations. Uh, there's a lot of churches out there that refuse to teach dispensational teachings because they, they, they don't want to study it out enough to understand exactly what that thing is. I drew, I drew a real simple one-part one dispensation, and it started at Calvary. Now, there is a, there's seven of them. Some go nine. Uh, uh, you got the church age sits right here. Uh, you got the uh, law sits right here. I mean, there's dispensations all through there. But the one I'm looking at is this one right here. If you can't grasp this one, the rest of them will mean absolutely nothing. You need to look at that right there and say, which side of that am I on? Abraham's on this side. He did not know him. He did not even know of him. He may have knew, known that God was going to do something, but he did not know him. He did not know that Jesus Christ was going to die on a cross. He did not know. When you go to Isaiah 53 and read that, Isaiah 53, he, he wrote it. The Ethiopian eunuch, actually, when he read that and Philip was running next to him, the Ethiopian eunuch goes, who's he talking about? Is he talking about himself? Is Isaiah talking about himself? Or is he talking about some other? I don't know. what. Who's he talking about? Whoever he's talking about here, they're going through something. But who's he talking about? And Philip goes, I'm glad you asked. He goes, I can tell you exactly who that is. And it's Jesus Christ. And as soon as the Ethiopian eunuch, which is out here somewhere, heard that story, the Ethiopian eunuch believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and was saved. And then once he got saved, he got baptized. And then once he got baptized, he went away with joy. You know, if you don't have any joy, there's a problem. Joy is the key to your salvation. Uh, it, it is the, what is that, what's that? Uh, the strength of the Lord, the joy is the strength of the Lord. How's that verse go? Yeah, the, the joy of the Lord is your strength. That's all right, you can correct me. That's what wise for you, my better half. Uh, you know, my, is it, help me eat. Help me. You're, that's what God said right there in the first part of the Bible. Uh, so you can help me and I'll, I'll tell you, but. 
the joy of the Lord is your strength. Joy should be in there. You should know where you stand and what you're doing. So we're going to get into a little bit of standing and state. Uh, you got to understand everything about you. You're a sinner. Now, if you think you're something other than a sinner, you're deceiving yourself. You are a wicked, no good, stinking, filthy sinner, just like I am. Now, thank God, we see a lot of people don't like to hear that. But that's fact. All you have to do is read your Bible. If you ever read your Bible, Paul said, I would. I thought she was going to move to the front row. Man. Who? Oh, we should have waited a half an hour. I wonder if she's going to, I wonder if she's going to make me want to start over. Oh, welcome. Well, I'm glad that at least you're late at Joe's and not mine. Amen. Amen. But anyways, anyways, back to this. So Paul is talking it up here. Uh, Habakkuk 2 says, the just shall live by his faith. That's Old Testament. So Abraham was living by his faith all the way up to Habakkuk, all the way up to Malachi, all the way up to uh, all when he chose the apostles. The Old Testament does not stop till Jesus Christ dies right here. So right up to this point right here, it's all Old Testament. The New Testament starts at the time Jesus, at the death of the testator. I don't know how in the world people can't see that. There's a division sitting right in front of you, and they refuse to see it. What happened back here is different than what happens right here. Now, if you notice, I stopped right here because it changes when you get out here. And people will read the book of Hebrews and try to apply some of this stuff to them here. It don't work. They'll read back in here, and you know you can take everything spiritually. that You can take just about anything in the, in the book. You can apply anything spiritually, and you've got to be careful when you do that, but you can uh, doctrinally, you can't do that. Uh, how, what, Ab what Abraham got and what you and I get are two different things. Today, everyone has the same message. What is that? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. That's right here. All you had to do was believe. He never asked you to take your son up on top of a mountain or take your kid or your wife. Some people probably enjoy doing that. Wives might enjoy doing that too. Uh, take their husband up on the side of the mountain and kill him. Uh, they, they might agree with that wholeheartedly. But you were never asked to do anything like that. Or will you ever be asked to do anything like that? What he wants you to do is realize you're a sinner and that he's the Savior, and all you've got to do is trust him. Anybody who's ever got a question, just raise your hand, and we'll, we can stop and talk about it for a second. This is all basic stuff. It's not hard. But when Paul says it, he's a lawyer. Like I said earlier, the man is a lawyer, and he words things in a way that will kill you. In the New Testament, it's not just your faith, Romans 1.8. It's the faith of God and the faith of Jesus Christ. Uh, go to Romans 3.3 3 real quick. We're already in Romans. We already looked at that, but we'll look at it again. Romans 3.3. 3. For what, what if some did not believe, shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? No, it will not. Uh, God's faith and Jesus' faith, when I trust Jesus Christ, it's his faith. For by grace are you saved through faith. That faith is not of yourself. It's a gift of God. So what God does is give you a tiny bit of faith. You start hearing something. We start dealing with people, and we want them to change just like that. You didn't. Why would we think they will? Uh, it takes years and years and years and years sometimes for somebody to change. Years. Now, if they don't ever change, there's a problem. 
uh, they either never got it or whatever, but it takes years sometimes. And you've got to cut them some slack. So God's faith and Jesus Christ's faith is what we get. And once we get that, guess what? He comes inside of you. Old Testament faith puts you in Abraham's bosom right there. If you believed God and it was counted to you for righteousness in the Old Testament, you went right there. And when Jesus died on the cross, one of these thieves believed. And one of them, and I'm going to say for sake of the discussion, both of them could have got it. We don't know. I know one definitely did. He said, today you'll go to here. So he changes this to paradise in uh, 2 Corinthians 12, I believe. He changes that to paradise from Abraham's bosom because he tells the thief on the cross, he said, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. So when that Jesus died and that this thief died, they both went to paradise. Jesus didn't even go to heaven right then. For sake of discussion, I'm going to say this thief right here went to hell. Now, I can't prove that. There's no way you can prove it either. Sitting on that cross, what you get is a moment in time of what went on in that, in that time. You don't know if a few minutes later this guy said, you know, I think you're right. And he looked at him and said, Lord, remember me too. And he went over there too. You have no idea. But at that moment in time, the glimpse that the Lord gives us at that moment is here is he on the cross and this man believes and the two go right here. He, you know that by this verse right here. Because now it tells you the paradise is up here, so I'm going to get into that in a few minutes too. Abraham, it's the difference between law and grace. We're looking at law. On this side, in the Old Testament, you're looking at law. As, as you do have grace, but you have law attached to it. On this side over here, you have grace. And you do not have any law. You're not under the law. You cannot be under the law. I'm not going to put you under the law. You're not under the law. If you go under the law, you're lost. You can't be under both. Jesus did away with the law. He fulfilled it in his death at the cross. He fulfilled it. You cannot, you cannot be under the law. So, and it says over in Galatians 3.20, I believe. Is it 3.20? Y'all are these Galatianites, aren't you? where it says the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. Somebody read that verse. Are you there? Galatians 3.20? Yeah. 3.24? Oh, that's close. Louder, louder. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. Yeah, so now read the next verse. Under the school. So if the law was a schoolmaster, once grace comes, you're no longer under the schoolmaster, which is law. Law is done away with. There's a division right there. It's called rightly dividing the word of truth. So what we try to do is, oh, I messed up. You know what? I don't know about you. You guys are all probably angels, uh, holy and pure and all that stuff. I'm just not. I'm, I go to Romans, 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 Romans. Romans is a good book. Paul's a good good. Hang on a second. Give me a second. Go to Romans chapter 7, verse 14. Now, this is the Apostle Paul. You know what, you know what scholars try to do today? They try to say this is Paul when he was lost. For we, for we know that the law is, good, is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. This is Paul talking. 
For, for, what, uh, for that which I do, I allow not. That means he does stuff he shouldn't do. For what I would, that I do not. So I want to serve Christ or do the right thing, but I don't do it. For what I hate, sin, that I do. do you, let me get your hands. Who hates sin? Surely none of you like it. All right, good. Uh, he goes, so he hates sin and he does it. Why does he do it? Because he's wicked. And he knows it because it's the law of the flesh. He's got this flesh sitting there. And it's, a, it's an old man versus the new man. And the old man is always trying to do the thing that it thinks it should do. And the spiritual side, and it's the carnal side and the spiritual side. And we got, when you got saved, you got this other side that came back to life. For, for uh, 16, if then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is, it is good. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, right here, this, this thing, not this thing, this thing. For I know that is in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. That's Paul talking. There is nothing stinking good about you or me. So why do you think it is? Did anybody just get offended about that? Well, wait till you get to heaven and tell Paul that. Say, Paul, I got offended. You hurt my feelings. I, was, I wanted to be a transgender. And now I can't be a transgender. Well, I'm going to be one anyway. But I think you're wrong. I think you're mean. Or, or the guys went out street preaching a couple weeks ago. Uh, who was it? Was that uh, you and, and uh, you three went, didn't you? And was that when the, the, the lady stopped? Who, who stopped the lady and talked to her? What'd she tell you? Uh, she said. What was she first? What was she? So I, I, I don't remember what exact religion she said, but she told me that she was a female pastor of the church. And uh, she said, um, she rebuked us because she said, I feel like you guys need to start preaching more love. You guys are being very hateful, and that's not what the Bible says. That's hateful. For I know that it's in me. Now, Paul says, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good. He says that graciously. He, he's using himself as the example, but it applies to all of us. He, did, he just didn't say you. He said I. So he gets it off of you guys and puts it back onto him, which I do the same thing. I remember reading this thing the first time I read this. I had just been saved for probably a couple years. And I read that, and I'm like, Lord, that's me. He goes, yep, that's you. I said, Lord, I'm no good. He goes, yep, that's you. He goes, and that's the way you're going to be always. He goes, don't ever forget that. If the greatest Christian that ever lived is what you're reading right here, Paul, and he said this about himself, and this is the greatest Christian that ever walked this planet, then where do I fit in? Way, way down from this. I said, okay, I got it. Uh, he goes, and you know what that does? That'll give you joy. You say, why? Because when I mess up, I'm like, okay, Lord, I messed up. He goes, yeah, you messed up. And, and I'm, I'll probably get a spanking. I got a speeding ticket on my <laughs> desk in there. And that's probably where I get my spankings at. I'm driving down the road. Beth gets a call from uh, Sandy, and she goes, I put a letter on Mike's desk, and, and it looks like a speeding ticket. And I'm like, <sighs> I said it was probably the church fan, and, and probably Sarah Kaiser was using it when she went to Cincinnati and got a ticket down there. Or, or Joe was going up north, and he got a ticket going up there. But no, it's my black van. It's in Dayton. <laughs> I'm like... I'm like, Lord, you know, so that, you know, he spanks you sometimes and that's okay. You say, well, that, if that, if that's all I got to take, man, praise God, hallelujah. But you still got the old flesh. And that's what Paul, Paul back in Romans chapter four back there is trying to show this thing that there's a difference between what you have and what Abraham has. 
And the people coming right out of the, he's teaching Romans this, but the people, the, the, the date on this book is 60 AD. This is only uh, 27 years from the crucifixion. Uh, people are still confused about, and believe me, they're still confused today about what the Bible says. Uh, they were still confused about what was going on. And Paul is saying, look, guys, you're free. You're free from this thing. And you can live a life out here free of this and actually be happy about what you're doing. Uh, it may end up bad. Uh, Old Testament faith puts you in Abraham's bosom. Luke 16, 19. Go to Luke 16, 19. This is, this is Abraham when he's talking about, and I'm trying to get the difference between Old, Old Testament faith and New Testament faith. And the Lord tells you this stuff all through your Bible. It's an amazing book, just an amazing book. Any questions, raise your hand, throw a brick or something. Man, we'll, we'll stop and talk about it. Uh, I think this, excuse me? I have a question. What's your question? You said last uh, um, Bible study. I already asked that at the beginning of this course. Did anybody have a question? You didn't, but anyway, he's going. Sorry. That's fine. Uh, you said Moses sinned by hitting the rock twice. Yes. So where did he go? He went to the mountain. Where did he go after that? Did he go to the Abraham's bosom? Or where, where no, actually, 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 go to Jude. This has nothing to do, well, I guess it has something to do with it because I mentioned it last time. Hang on, was it Jude? I could be wrong. Uh, where it says the angel. Yeah, yeah, Jude chapter, chapter 1, the only chapter, verse 9. Actually, verse 8. Likewise, also these filthy dreamers defiled the flesh, despised dominions, and speak evil of dignitaries. Yet Michael the archangel, he's a good guy. I like Michael. Uh, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring railing action, uh, accused, uh, ac railing accusations, but said, the Lord rebuked thee. So Michael took that body. And, I, and it's going to come back in the tribulation because two, the two saints that come back, one of them's Moses, one of them's Elijah. Go to uh, Malachi, Malachi chapter 4. Last book of your Bible, uh, the Old Testament. So he's, he never died and he's no, he did. He's dead. Okay. He's dead. He blew it. He choked. He shouldn't have hit that rock twice. But. So he won't be, have eternal life in heaven. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's coming back. Uh, Malachi chapter 4. For behold, uh, and it's only just a couple verses. Uh, for behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven. Guess what that is? That's out there in the tribulation. That's out there at the end of the tribulation. That's the millennial reign. It's at the end of the millennial reign. That is the white throne judgment. Burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wicked shall be stubble. <laughs> and the day that this is this a pleasant, happy book. I mean, it's just like peace, love, joy. This is the joy that that lady said we have to have. We got to have it. We, uh, oh, you're gonna burn like. I mean, you're just gonna burn right up. Praise God, Hallelujah. Um, <laughs> We're stupid. Uh, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble, and that day shall cometh and shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, and it shall leave them neither root nor uh, branch. But unto you uh, that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves in a stall. And ye shall, uh, shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ash under your soles of your feet, in that day, uh, that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded him unto him in Horeb uh, for all Israel which the, uh, with the statutes of judgments. Uh, behold, I will send unto you Elijah the prophet 
before the coming of that great and dreadful day of the Lord. So Elijah and Moses are going to reappear out there. Those are, those are two olive branches that's going to reappear. Jesus said, somebody said, uh, you said that John, uh, the Elijah's would come. He said, if you would have believed, John the Baptist would have been him. But you didn't. So all through your Bible, what you're going to find is God already knows what's going to happen. Uh, I got in an argument with uh, Dr. Peacock. It wasn't an argument. It was a discussion. And uh, he says, oh, you just, it's $4, Elliot, $4. You just got $4. I'm like, I don't care what I got. I'm telling you what the Bible said. And I just happen to see it. It doesn't really matter what I say. It's what it says. He created the heaven and the earth in six days on seven days rested. Correct? If every day with the Lord is a thousand years and a thousand years a day, if six days represents 6,000 years, then that puts you right about right there. That puts you from here to there is about 6,000 years. And you got a thousand year millennial rest of Christ. So I'll give you that right here you could have nine, nine, uh, uh, 5,993 years up to this point, and then you got a seven year tribulation because we definitely know that's going to be a thousand years. So that seven years may be part of this 6,000 years. But, brethren, you're right there. You hear people say all the time, I'm, you're getting ready, get ready, get ready. You better get ready, man. You're going to be meeting Jesus Christ real soon. And you're going to be standing before him, and you're going to see that the judgment that these Old Testament ha saints have, you and I ain't going to have. I'm going to get into heaven. I'm going to go, that's what this is all about. I'm getting there by faith in him. And I've got imputed righteousness, and it doesn't matter what I do in flesh, in my flesh down, it does not matter. I'm going to heaven, and nobody can stop that. You have to stop Jesus Christ to stop me from going to heaven. Now, on the other hand, i got this other bad part of me called the flesh. And that's the part I have to deal with. So the Old Testament faith, Luke 16, 19. Did that answer your question at all? Yeah, you said that was Malachi what? Malachi 4. He talks about Moses and Elijah. Uh, and then uh, Jesus says the two olive branches in, in, in the Gospels. And then when you get into actually the tribulation, the tribulation, uh, if you read the tribulation, there's a big controversy going on right now on the tribulation. And uh, the tribulation is supposed to be three and a half years. And it is. Daniel's 70th week is seven years. If we're going to talk about the tribulation, it's three and a half years. If we're going to talk about Daniel's 70th week, it's seven years. The problem here is everybody says they're trying to say that the three, first three and a half years has already occurred. The problem I have with that is Jesus himself said, if you would have believed in John, in me, in John, John could have been Elijah. And he would have come before the Lord and he could have brought that thing in. And, but you didn't. So what I'm trying to say is the Lord knows down through time that it's going to happen. What's going to happen? But there's places down through time that it could have occurred if they would have done what they were supposed to do. That's the mercy of God. He still gives you the chance knowing you're going to screw up. <laughs> because why? You're not going to be able to blame me, man. He's got it all worked out. You're not going to, I don't know why people don't trust him. You are not going to work this thing out. It's already been worked out. It's worked out to the nth degree, and he knows every possible op option that any, any possibility, there is nobody who, a lottery, a lottery would be a chump, a chump, that'd be a piece of cake, seven numbers, I mean, I don't care if you had to have eight, he would get them all, man, right in a row, one right after the other, it's easy to him, so all the way down through here, he said, hey, Adam, I'm going to give you the world if you just do right, well, here come, along comes Satan, and everybody wants to blame Eve. 
and they want to blame Adam. But look, you're, he says, you're up against the devil, man. Adam and Eve had no chance against the devil. But he created a sinless man and woman and put them right here. And, and when they faced the devil, they lost. You and I are no different. You're going to lose too. So how come you think you're not going to sin? Or, or how come you think you're not going to mess up? There's just no possible way that you can even get by that. So then he comes down through there, and Adam loses the kingdom. Satan gets it back. He comes over here. He kills everybody on the planet. Now, he killed probably 7, 8 billion people at Noah's flood. That's a lot of people. Eight people got on that ark. You know what, you know what the verse he uses out here? He says, as it was in the days of Noah. So what it's going to do is there's going to be a decline in people who believe the word of God to where it's going to get down to where there's about eight people left. In this case, in Noah's day, there was eight people that got on that ark. Everybody else on this planet died. God did not care. That's your, hey, Jake, that's your loving God. That's love. You should have told her that. Love, love, love. I'll show you God's love. He, he told a man to build an ark. He gave him 100 years to build it. That's love. That's grace. That's mercy kindness. He actually grew the trees for him so he could build the ark. Then he killed everybody. <laughs> because why? They wouldn't get on. You should have looked at her and said, man, would you get on the ark? Yeah, how does love save you from hell? So, so now I'm in Luke 16. Oh, brother, this thing is great, man. This is a great book. He, all the way through this thing, he, he throws you nuggets uh, to try to tell you exactly what's going on. And, and people say, well, i got to go do something for God. Well, I like Jack Howells, how he said this. He goes, uh, he had a missionary. All the missionaries come through Jack Howells, Shady Acres Baptist Church. Do you know Jack Howells? Oh, not Jack Howells, uh, Jack Woods. Uh, Jack was a little skinny guy, man. I always thought he was going to be this massive guy, but he had big fat guys around him all over the place. And he called him Tiny, and Tiny was his bodyguard. <laughs> I mean, Jack was, you know, Jack was, Jack, Jack was, uh, he was a prison guy, and he was in prison with another friend of mine. I don't know why my friends are all prisoners. <laughs> Dave Spurgeon, <laughs> Jack Woods, Willie Cosby. I, I got to watch who I hang around with. But anyways... <laughs> Uh, Jack Woods, Jack Woods had a good church down in, uh, before he passed away down, and it's still down there. Danny Farley has it right now. But uh, Jack Woods, if you came into his church to be a missionary, now he was in Houston, Texas. And, and you say, well, I'm a missionary to Texans or to uh, the Spanish. He goes, how many uh, Spaniards did you lead to the Lord this week? Are you down on the streets? He said, in Houston, there's every group of people that you could imagine. You say that you're going to be a missionary to Ukraine, there are plenty of Ukrainians. You're going to go to Africa, how about the black people in our community? Have you been down there talking to black people? And he would sit there and say that. He goes, if you're not doing it now, what makes you think you'll do it over there? And he wouldn't support them. He wouldn't even give them 10 cents. He wouldn't even give them the time of day. So we all think that what God wants us to do is somewhere else. When really what it is, it's right dead in front of you. It never was anywhere but in front of you. The first step, anybody ever watch Wizard of Oz? It's an old, old one, uh, the old one. And, and here comes Dorothy. She gets on. And, and she could have got on the yellow brick road over there somewhere. And the guy goes, no, oh, you got to come over here. The little munchkins. And she, they take her to this little spot right here. And it starts, and it starts doing this. And they say, follow the enemy ground. And she just makes you sick. And you go around, I'd get dizzy before I ever got out of there. But she starts around this thing and she follows it. And that's all. If you have to start someplace and take the next step and then take the next step, what we try to do is go 100 steps down the road and get to someplace. You know why most of us aren't rich? You wouldn't know what to do with it. You know why the best thing you can ever do is God don't data dump on you so that you don't kill somebody else. What you do is you get it very slowly 
and you stand still, and, and he said, be still and know that I'm God. Stand still right where you, I don't care where you're at on the planet. Stop. Right there, Lord, what would you have me do? Well, he'll show you the next step. You say, why do I mess everything up? Good. Stop. And let him show you the next step. And he'll get you right back on track. Uh, Luke, Luke 16, 19. You say, well, what was all that? Right here, same thing. There's two, talks about two men. This is not a parable. This is a real story. You've probably heard this a million times before. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple. We're talking about law and grace, which clothed in purple and full of sores. Wait a minute. Uh, there was a rich, <laughs> I'm, I'm, this, this is a mic, mic version. Uh, I, I'm just thinking in my head, I'm not even looking at, I'm just giving you all the little particulars about it real quick. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at the, the gate uh, his gate full of swords. So a guy owned a castle, got everything he wanted to have, had its bars around his castle, was protected, had all the money he wanted. Uh, that's what a lot of people think they should have, and that's going to solve the problem. It doesn't. There's a beggar outside the gate, and the only thing the beggar had going for him, he was full of swords. He had no clothes to cover him. His swords were evident. They stuck out. Verse 21, and desiring to be fed. That's all he got to the place where he cared about was a few crumbs. The rich man's probably thinking, well, if I got all my stocks and bonds, and if I do this, man, I can make more money, my gold over here, and I got, I got to have so much of my portfolio in this, and then this, and this, and this. My fields over here, I need to get out of wheat and get into some barley, and I need some vineyards over here so I can, do, so I can make the hooch so that people get drunk and buy all my other stuff. And, and desiring to be fed with the, the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. I had a preacher one time tell, he said, Mike, he goes, you know, when you get done with this thing, you find out, watch this, it goes, and it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. Right there. That's Bible. This is not a story. This is not a parable. This is a story. This is a real thing. And in hell, it goes, and the beggar, it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. And the rich man died also and was buried. You know, I never said the beggar was buried. And I had a guy come up to me recently and said, do you think the dog's ate him? And I'm like, yeah, it's possible, man. Uh, Jehu uh, stomped Jezebel all over the ground out there. He went in and get drunk. Came, he said, I go out and bury her. She's a king's daughter. And when they went out to get her, there was nothing but the palms of her hand and I think her skulls or her feet or something. There wasn't nothing left. The dogs ate her. Uh, and here's these dogs sitting here. You know, the God don't care about your body. People, all, this, they, this thing right here is just dog food. And, and it could end up that. Anyways, back to 23. Isn't your Bible just a pleasant book? It's the greatest thing in the whole wide world. Men eat rabbits, dogs eat men. It just goes on, man. I mean, it's just it's a crazy thing. We eat all kinds of stuff. Chickens. I like Dr. Roman. He always said, uh, the chicken ain't nothing but a bird. And, and you have to think about that for a minute. It's just nothing but a bird. Eat it. I mean, just don't worry about it. Just eat the thing, man. I mean, it's just uh, you're here for a while. Eat it. And in hell... Now, here's the rich man. So the rich man dies, and this story is back in here somewhere. Uh, I don't know exactly how far back you want to take that story, but that story about uh, Luke, Luke 19 sits back here somewhere, or 16, 19. It sits back before the cross. There's a lot of things that you can learn about this story. The only way anybody would know about that story is God. That story had to be God. God had to tell you. Nobody else would even know that story existed because nobody could tell you that that man went. Only God can tell you you went to hell. You know what that makes Jesus? God. 
That's what it makes him. Jesus is telling this story. Over there when Paul says manifest in, uh, Christ was manifest in the flesh, God manifest in the flesh. That's Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. All things were made by Him. So Jesus made everything, but Jesus is God. Well, how can you have the Father, Son, Holy Ghost, and all three? All three are the same. What you do is you see Jesus Christ. You see the, the picture, the epitome of God is right in front of you. If you could have seen Him, that's what you would have seen. But Jesus is telling the story, and He's telling you in hell. He lifted up His eyes, and He starts telling the... Uh, uh, and that's how we know what Abraham's bosom looks like. Looked like. It no longer looks like that. Hell, so the rich man drops on this side. The beggar drops on this side. Now, here's a real simple thing. Which one actually won the game of life? The beggar. The beggar had absolutely nothing. So when we put our trust in what we have, we're wasting our time. The beggar had nothing to give, nothing to offer, and he ends up here. This man had everything to offer, money, houses, cars, everything else, planes, trains, uh, submarines, he had it all. Uh, and, and he went right to a place called hell. When we sit there and we sit there and think that we start putting our value in things, then all of a sudden what happens is we lose the simplicity that's in Jesus Christ. It's very simple. Jesus Christ died on the cross, shed his blood at Calvary, and made a way, and he said he, he died for our sins according to scriptures, was buried, rose again third day. You can't get any simpler than that. That's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. You can't get any simpler. Any more than that, you're complicating it. What the devil wants to do is complicate it. When you get that right there, you settle that thing. And since the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ, once you get on this side over here and you get under Christ, this thing goes away. Now, can I learn from this? Yes, I can. Thou shalt not. Thou shalt not. Those still all are good things. Thou shalt not covet. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not. I mean, one right here. There's ten of them there. Thou shalt not have any of the gods before me. Uh, here we go. We get saved. You know what we do? We go right back under the law. And then we try to look at those Ten Commandments and we say, well, I can do that one, that one, that one, that one, but I have a problem with that one. But a lot of them we don't see. We put gods in. We put, our gods are golds and silver. We have uh, money and wealth. That's our god. That's America. America's problem is wealth. We're, we're too rich. We don't even know what to do with it. Now, go on back to our book. Back, back to the story here. So God is showing you God through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, God, is showing you what this thing is. And he's showing you in the Old Testament, everybody in the Old Testament, this is where they went. They did not go to heaven. They went here. There's a difference. So when they say that you're saved in the Old Testament the same way you're saved in the New Testament, Scripture does not show that at all. I had a guy one time, I, I talked off the field. I didn't even talk about the film. I him fought all the way down to uh, uh, Monterey, Mexico. He was called to the Mexicans. And I'm like, it's fine. That's cool. And he was trying to tell me they got saved on the way down there. We just generated a conversation. And he goes, yeah, they were saved in the Old Testament. I said, you're an idiot. Now, I've got a whole, we're in a 16-passenger van. And there's all these preachers behind me. And I'm in the front seat. And he's, he's in the other seat. And Willie's back there going, shut up, shut up. And uh, I'm like, you're a moron. I said, how? And then I started going through all this other stuff. And, brother, I was shaking this guy up. I didn't think he was going to make it to Monterey. Uh, but we got down to Monterey, and he went up in the mountains, and, and he went his way, and I went out on the streets and passed the gospel tracks out, having a real good time. And as in Rome, do as the Romans, and I watched them little guys and did what they did. And on the way back, we got in the same discussion again, so I was telling him more about it. I said, you're an idiot, man. I said, how could, I said, 
how could in the Old Testament, the, Luke 16 tells you right where, where the rich man went and where he went. And Jesus told you that. And he goes, well, that's a parable. That's not a parable. It's a story. You try to parabolize it away so that you can say that's not true. No, that's exactly what it is. Only God could tell you that. And you're rejecting God when you don't listen to him. Only God can tell you that. So when you come to your Bible, you don't have, people say, well, you're a Bible altar. You're, you worship your Bible. No, I don't worship my Bible, but it's close. It's close. Uh, I worship the author of this book. The guy who wrote this book, the man who wrote it, is Jesus Christ. He told Moses what to write in the first five books. And Moses did exactly what he was supposed to do and wrote what was supposed to be written in the first five books. The rest of the books, they were all told what to write, and he did. Now, verse 4. You say, man, that, that was a good 50 minutes. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. If you could work yourself there, what Jesus Christ did on the cross of Calvary was not for you. Because he did something for somebody who couldn't do it. I'm, I'm the guy who can't do it. I'm willing to say I can't do it. Uh, Tim, Tim Bachman got baptized yesterday. And uh, I, I, just before he got baptized, I took him in the back room. And I'd do the same thing for anybody else. I said, Tim, are you saved? I said, are you sure you're saved? I said, because I'm gonna, I talked you into getting baptized, but I don't want you to get baptized unless I know for 100% sure you are saved. He goes, Mike, I'm saved. I don't am saved. I got saved. He told me exactly when he got saved. Uh, he just put off something. And, brother, that's exactly what most of us do in life. We get saved, and you think that I can just sit there. I, I've had uh, you know, people say, well, now that I'm saved, I'm just okay. I can go do what I want. No. Uh, brother Steve Bowman, where's Steve Bowman? Yeah, right. He said he had a guy at work. He goes, can't I just, like, not do anything and get, like, annihilated? <laughs> and no, no, I'm sorry, you can't just get annihilated. You've got to go to heaven or hell. I'm sorry, there's just no other options. Uh, there is no purgatory, there is no annihilation. That's what the Job of Witness say. If you, don't go, uh, if you don't get to go, man, they're cheap. They keep you back here on the earth. I don't want to stay on the earth. I want to go to heaven. Uh, but there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And Well, I want to go wherever the Lord wants me to go. That's what I, let me put it that way. But they got you coming back to this earth, and, and only 144,000 can get to heaven. And those are the 144,000 in, in the tribulation that are actually Jewish priests. So they've, they've implemented the, the Jewish, well, they, once they said that, when they started the religion, they, they said that the 144,000 was it. But then their religion exceeded 144,000. Now they got a problem. Where's the 144 and one going? Uh, and the two and three and four after that. So we have to create another place for them to go. And it just gets crazy. Uh, believe me, your God has made a place big enough for all of us to go. And there's no problem. He talks in Romans chapter 4, or 4 verse 4, Now to him that worketh is not the reward reckoned of grace, but of debt. So there, on this side it's grace. you got grace on both sides, God's grace. On this side it's law, it's belief in, in action. On this side it's belief in something that already occurred. On this side it's something that occurs after you know what to do, and that proves your faith. That's why he said over in Habakkuk, the just shall live by his faith. Well, Paul said in Romans 3, go back to Romans 3 real quick, just hold your finger. Well, yeah, we're done with Luke. Go back to Romans, Romans 4. Where does it say, the just shall live by his faith, by faith? I thought it was Romans 3. Am I wrong? 
Maybe it's Romans 2. God is no respected person. I thought it was 3. I got it marked in my other Bible. Man, I thought it was 3. In, in Romans, Paul says that, what is it? 22, 322? 117, thank you. There's my wife again. What a blessing, man. Yeah, 117. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. You notice how Paul removes his faith out of there? Habakkuk says the just shall live by his faith. Paul says the just shall live by faith. It's a difference. Old Testament faith is law. New Testament faith is, is belief in Jesus Christ, trust in Jesus Christ. It's a totally different thing. In the Old Testament, they had to do, that's what Paul's talking about, it, law and grace. He, in the Old Testament, they had to do something to prove that's called works. So then everybody will say, well, you got to do something. James will say, show me your faith without works, and I'll show you my faith with works. That's a true statement. Because if you're not doing anything, I'm going to doubt what you're doing. You're all here tonight, which is a blessing. Uh, we should take up an offering, brother. I mean, this is a big enough crowd where we can make some. Mm -hmm. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> but, but when you sit there and look like you're just, uh, the just shall live by faith, then when I, if I got saved and I really start growing the way I should be growing, I shouldn't do anything out of, out of fear that he's gonna, not going to be pleased with me or try to please anybody else. I'm going to try to please Jesus Christ. And I really don't care. Give up. I don't care what anybody else thinks. Now, I know what the Excuse me, I know what the Bible says. It says abstain from all appearances of evil. So I've got to do that the best I can. But you can pick at anybody's armor. If you want to, you can find flaws in anybody. That's an easy thing to do. I could have found flaws in Dr. Ruttman all day long. I think he shouldn't chew chicken bones in front of people. Uh, if you want to go in a closet and choose be a closet chew, chewing chicken bone guy and sucking the marrow out of the bone of a chicken, go for it, man. It just looks weird when you do that. He did some other things that were kind of weird. But boy, when it comes to the Bible, I, I didn't question him. And I seen him one night, he got up, and he jumped up in the pulpit in coveralls. And he goes, that really offends some of you guys, don't it? Because you think this is so sacred that you got to have a suit and tie on. And he believed you should have a suit and tie on. But what he wanted to do is say, look, it's all grace. And don't ever forget the grace side of it. And when we forget that, what we do is we're starting to try to, instead of stopping and saying, Lord, like Paul did at the road to Damascus, what would thou have me to do? We're like, well, if I do this, I'll make so-and-so. There ain't nobody, you know what I learned a long time ago? You can make nobody on this planet happy. You can't make anybody happy. Because guess what? If you are here, and they are here, and you say, I'm going to do whatever makes them happy, by the time you get to where they're at, they've done moved over here. And they're not even there no more. And you're sitting there going, now what? And they've done change. So whatever was going to make them happy there is not, they're already over here. Now they need something else to make them happy. So now you're going to do this. And by the time you get there, they're over here trying. You know, I learned, I learned that in 1984. You can't make anybody happy. The only thing you can do is serve Jesus and make him happy and try to make him happy. And he never moves. He's always there. And what you'll do at that point is when you start doing that, you'll learn how to follow him. And that's under grace. Abraham did that in the Old Testament. They were all doing the same thing. I got that. But Abraham, when they died over here, they went here. Or you went here. One of the two. One of the two. That's it. So, any other questions real quick? Let's take a break for a minute. It's, it's 8 o'clock. 
we'll go for another 35, 40 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever. And then, and then, that was good. We didn't even get through verse one. Four. We got verse four, man. I just got to verse four. 